Good morning, West Park. Thank you all for being in attendance. Today is a special day as we commemorate our mothers, as we celebrate our mothers, as we give thanks to our mothers for all that they have provided for us and to us. My name is Fred Blevins. I'm one of the elders here at West Park Baptist Church. My wife and I are now in our 26th year of attending West Park Baptist Church. I'm very thankful for Pastor Sam showing his confidence in me to allow me to fill his pulpit on such a, a wonderful day of the Lord. Every day is a wonderful day of the Lord, but today especially as we give thanks and pay, pay honor to our mothers. We're going to look at uh, those verses of Scripture that Pastor Sam read for us earlier. And if you've got your Bible in front of you, please uh, turn that to the second book of Timothy. To Timothy's, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and chapter 2. We're going to go back over those verses really briefly here. But our primary focus for this morning is taken from the 37th Psalm, verse 3. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good and befriend faithfulness. Let me say that again. Trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Now, it may be a little bit difficult for our Western minds to consider what befriend faithfulness means. But another Hebrew translation of that same word is to feed on good pastures. So if we think about it from a heritage of a Christian home, we have been raised or should be raised given examples of feeding on good pastures, dwelling in the land and doing good. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So let's look at how we trust God, do good, and feed on faithfulness. Our three main points this morning is going to be teach, train, and model. Teach, train, and model. In my growing up, I was taught, I was trained, and I had it modeled to me what a Christian life would be like. So, first let's talk about in 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Let's review those quickly. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, and now I am sure, dwells in you. <clears throat> For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now go right over in the B column of that same page, chapter, excuse, yes, chapter 2, and let's look at the first six verses. And at the end, we're going to tack on verse number 7 and consider what Paul is instructing Timothy here as he, looks in, as he writes this letter and, and Timothy is reading it. Beginning with verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first fruit of the crops. Here's the tack on of verse 7. Verse 7, and we'll cycle back to this at the end of our time together. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Understanding in everything. Okay, remember our three points. Teach, train, and model. Let's talk about the first one, teach. <clears throat> Who was Timothy first taught by? His mother and grandmother. They taught him a good deposit that was first given to them. We're reminded of this at the end of 1 Timothy. In the end of ending chapter, verse 20 of 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy in that letter to guard the good deposit made in him. That same theme will come back around in the first chapter of the second letter. Even though these two letters were written many years apart, the same theme is being given to Timothy to call to mind that he is to guard the good deposit made in him that was traced back to his mother and to his grandmother. He was given a foundation for his faith by them, by those saintly ladies. So, let's talk about this. <clears throat> this admonition is repeated in 2 Timothy verse 14 of the first chapter to guard that good deposit. The good deposit that was taught to him. This deposit was entrusted to him, of course, by his mother and grandmother. And it was done through them and through the teaching of Paul as a service to God's people in a godly way. And Timothy was being prayed for night and day by Paul. That is a huge commitment. Paul was raised to be a servant of God. And now he has told Timothy he's doing it with a very clear conscience. Now if we remember historically some of the facts about Paul's early life, that's a, that's a broad statement. That's a very big statement to say that he's doing it with a clear conscience. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what Timothy was being done through the teaching of his grandmother and mother and Paul was he was being set aside. And we're going to return to that theme again a couple of times in our time together this morning of being set aside or set apart. Mothers... If you've ever had a doubt as to your calling to teach the truths of God to your children, be encouraged by these verses. These verses should be encouraging to, do, to you. Timothy's mother laid the foundation of his salvation by passing along an attitude of piety combined with God's word to convey the need of a savior to her son. Both Timothy's mother and grandmother took this responsibility quite seriously. 
and they combined their efforts to teach him. Remember, encouragement was given to Timothy to guard the good deposit. Now, let me be parenthetical here and just take an aside for a second. Full disclosure, my background is my father was a Baptist pastor. I lived in a Christian home. My father and mother were married for well over 50 years. My father was active pastoral ministry ministry for over 40 years. I come from a Christian home. I was taught in a Christian home. And I'm going to flesh that out. That's our first point in teach, train, and model. Teach, train, and model. So then the question becomes, how do we do that today? How are mothers today to teach, train, and model their children in a godly way that prepares them for the work that's called in Psalm 37.3 to trust God, dwell in the land, and do good? Those are instructions, very fundamental instructions. Well, I'm going to give you some practical examples from my own childhood, from my own life. As a young child, my mother would read to us in bed each night after a snack and a bath. This should sound familiar. Hopefully this was you uh, growing up and hopefully you, you as mothers and grandmothers are doing this with your children. Now I want to firstly point out here that my father was the head of the, of the household. In all matters, especially in the spiritual aspect, he was the head of the home. But mom, there was nothing like being tucked into bed by your mom and read to And my favorite thing to be read as I was being put to bed as a child was a 12-volume set of the Bible story illustrated. And it was the book of Genesis and Exodus. And I was thrilled by this. Each night, my mother would put myself, my brother, and my sister in the same bed. Now, my brother and I slept together in the same bed, but my sister slept in another room in another bed just for clarity there. But it was always uh, a thrill to be read the Bible story. Now, why did she put us all in the same bed at the same time? Because we were easily within her grasp. If things got out of hand, she could lay the hand of justice on us in just a moment. But, excuse me, those 12 volumes of the Bible story from Genesis and Exodus became very real to me. And they engendered in me a love of the Old Testament that I still have to this day. They've served me very well. Um, I love those stories. Let me just run down some of the topics that I was exposed to as a small child and what an impact it made on my life. The creation, the fall, Noah and the flood. Abraham and Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah, Isaac and Rebekah, Esau and Jacob, Joseph and his brothers thrown into a well, sold into slavery, Egypt, Pharaoh, Moses, slaves. The Exodus, crossing the Red Sea and drowning the army of Pharaoh. The wilderness wandering, manna from heaven and then quail until they came out of your nostrils. Really interesting stuff for a a young child. The pillar of fire and clouds, hot, cold, dry, bitter water, no water, water from a rock, 
About this time, my brother would call for a glass of water. It was just one of those things that happened. The Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, the Golden Calf, the Ark of the Covenant, the mighty acts of God, the presence filled the tab- His presence filled the tabernacle, the story of redemption of His people, the love that He ke- that He shed on His people by leaving, leading them through that wilderness. Can you imagine after having read that parts of that every night, being told turn the light out and go to sleep? The Amalekites could be in the driveway, for all I knew. You had to be prepared. <clears throat> so I was wound up too tight to go to sleep, obviously. But this rooted in me a keen desire and love for the Old Testament. We were being set apart. We were being taught different things. The next thing, this is under point number one, teach. Church. There was church. Church. Church was a big deal in the Baptist pastor's home. We went to church a lot. My brother is a year older than me. My sister is two years younger than me. I'm right in the middle. All the family photos look just like that, representative of our our status. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening prayer services, vacation Bible school, three times each summer, where my mother taught, directed, served, and carried many other children, as many as you can pile, into a big Buick back in those days. In vacation Bible school, we memorized the books of the Bible, sung songs of praise, memorized the names of the twelve disciples. We attended church often and in many different places. Hot, cold, rain or snow, the postal service had nothing on us. We were in church when the doors were open. We were taught to love and care for God's people and to pray for all people. Very important. Church attendance for me as a child was mandatory. It was hardly negotiable. But it was not always without resistance. Resistance came especially on Sunday nights. On Sunday nights, there was a television program, a television show that came on. And it was especially designed for children. You can Google this. You can look it up on YouTube, I'm sure, and see a past episode or some, some information about it. That program was called The Wonderful World of Disney. And we could not see the entire show on Sunday nights because the Blevins family was typically in church. But I remember, and you have to remember, that this was before the days of DVRs, VCRs, Netflix, any type of recording device. So if you missed it, you missed it. It was gone. But I would hear about it Monday morning at school from all of my little buddies at recess. They would be telling me all the glorious stories of Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, And I would just know that I didn't want to know what I had missed. So I was not interested in hearing about what I had missed. Then came junior high and high school. Junior high and high school boys in my area really loved football. We played football in the yard. The backyard football league was a big deal. On Sunday afternoon, the NFL playoff games would be on 
about the same time as, yeah, you guessed it, it's time to go to church. And my brother and I would protest, but mom, it's the third quarter. Dad, it's the third quarter. We, are, we can see that the Redskins are coming back. Depending on where you lived, you were either a Redskins cow, uh, fan or a Dallas Cowboy fan. If you got the, radio, the TV station out of Charlotte, you were a Redskins fan. If you got the TV station out of Bristol, you were a Dallas Cowboy fan. So it just depended on which one came in well at that time. This was before cable came to our area. So we would protest about being taken to the church for the Sunday evening worship service right in the middle of the playoff game in the third quarter. Then, here's the, the tragedy of that, I would only find out the score the next morning from the United Methodist kids who didn't have to go to church on Sunday night. So, Finally, I learned a really healthy respect for church discipline at an early age. It worked out like this. I misbehaved in church. I was disciplined. A lot of times I was disciplined in the front parking lot behind a big oak tree. And I always tried to play it off like nothing really happened here, nothing to look at, folks. But what else would a mother be taking an eight-year-old out into the parking lot for in the middle of church service? So I was, I was instilled with a strong sense of church discipline at an early age. But looking back at all of this, I would not change a thing. I will never recall the score of any football game from my junior high or high school years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know anything about a play that was made, but I can still remember seeing the saints of God, hearing the word of God, praising God in worship services many, many times in my childhood. So I was being taught. <clears throat> All this time, God was teach, Mom was teaching us to trust God and to do good things and to do right by teaching us about His character, His holiness, His justice, His love, teaching us the principles of the gospel, which takes us into our second point of training. The comprehension of godly behavior can be passed along to your children. The comprehension of godly training can be passed along to your children as we see in 2 Timothy 1 through 5. Listen carefully now. Listen really carefully. I didn't say salvation could be passed along. I said the comprehension of godly training can be passed along, but not salvation. Because why? God only has children. He has no grandchildren. Okay? Just ponder that a second there. His word penetrates our hearts, convicting us of our need for a Savior. And through true repentance, a turning away from the sinful nature into which we were born, by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, we become His child. We become His child. Consider, though, that Proverbs 22.4 says... Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Always remember, the book of Proverbs are not promises with a guaranteed outcome, but they are principles to be taught that can produce a highly probable outcome. A highly probable outcome. The first nine chapters 
of the book of Proverbs encourages us to gain godly wisdom, to accept godly wisdom. It's almost as the image of a highway and there's an exit ramp off to wisdom. We're being instructed, encouraged, and promoted to go off the exit ramp to wisdom, to embrace godly wisdom. It is highly desirable. And we are instructed as parents, as mothers and fathers, to train our children to desire godly wisdom. Mothers and fathers are not the Savior, but we are His representatives, especially the mothers in the early childhood development. They are, set, they are to set apart their children. We, myself, my brother, and my sister, we were being set apart with godly training and godly wisdom. Lastly, and I'm going to speed up, my mother modeled Christian compassion for all people. We were often taken along to visit neighbors, the sick, shut-ins, church members, those who needed encouragement, We were encouraged to befriend children from less fortunate homes, broken families with dysfunctional relationships. Never were we to show any form of favoritism of one child over another that would be in our sphere of friends at church. I remember getting this. I'm I'm going to describe to you an act of compassion of my mother and how this modeled Christian compassion to me. I remember getting a new winter coat for Christmas one year, and proudly wearing it to school after Christmas break. And there was a little boy in my classroom. I think I was about in the seventh grade. There was a little boy in my classroom who didn't have a winter coat. And every day when I would hang my little winter coat up on the coat rack with all the other kids' coats, we didn't have backpacks back in those days, but he would take my coat down and wear it during class every day. He'd wear it all day. And I didn't mind him wearing it all day, but I'd have to ask for my coat back every evening as, as we would get ready to leave school and go home on the bus. And so I told my mother about it. You know what my mother said? Tomorrow give him your coat because you still have your old one that you can wear. That was how I was trained in compassion for those that in some way needed an encouraging hand that needed a lift, that needed to be shown love and appreciation for just who there was. That was my mother, always willing to give her time, her resources for the betterment of others. I've seen her holding the hand, this is in my early childhood, I've seen her holding the hand of a grieving mother whose son was killed in Vietnam. My father often took the army chaplains along with him to go visit those families to deliver that horrible news. And my mother would be available. My mother would be there for the family, bringing food, coordinating visits, coordinating the ladies of the church to support that grieving household. My mother modeled compassion and forgiveness, even when she had been wronged by someone else's words, that had been hurt by someone else's words. She especially cared for God's people as part of her service to Christ. Lastly, you may be a mom and you're saying to yourself, you'd like to say to me, Fred, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't have that experience. I don't have that background. I didn't come along understanding and and being encouraged in the words of God to 
pursue wisdom and to have a life that you have just described here? I would answer that in this way. God is sovereign over every aspect and experience that you have had. And God's grace is sufficient to deliver you from your past. There may be a strained or broken relationship between you and your mother. But God's grace is sufficient to restore relationships. And his promises are available from his word to comfort you. To comfort us. We here at West Park Baptist Church will pray for you and with you. And here at the church, we have resources available to help, encourage you, to, to comfort you, and maybe help in the healing process and perhaps the restoration of those hurts from the past. We have those here. Now, remember I said we were going to look at verse 7 in, in the end of chapter 2 in 2 Timothy. Timothy says, excuse me, Paul says to Timothy, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. And if Timothy is drawing from that good deposit that was given to him by Lois and Eunice, and then encouragement and instruction, mentoring by Paul, establishing elders and preachers and teachers in that church that Paul had sent him to in Ephesus. This is what he can draw from, and God will give him understanding. Paul's instruction here for Timothy is to think. What does that mean? This is to be applied from God's word to your life, to consider it. To ponder it. Turn it over in your mind. Fervently ask God to reveal this to you. 